near post, get there first. The near post, get there first. Don't get there second, don't get there third. The near post, get there first. If it's for football news that you thirst. The near post, get there, get there first. And welcome to the Near Post Radio Show. We're talking football across the Australian Community Radio Network. I'm Aaron Walker, and with me this week are the two Nicks. Nick Comston, how are you? Aaron, very well, thanks. And Nick Amy, same question. Oh, excellent stuff. Um, definitely enjoying having only one one day a week of uni at the moment, just the exams. So. Uh, God, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> students, bludging students. Coming up in the next half hour, we've got all the news. We've got A-League, W-League and the Socceroos clash against Thailand. In the meantime, if you have an inquiry for us, simply uh, shoot us an email at flanagan.amon at gmail.com or at www.nearpost.blogspot.com. We're on iTunes if you're after the podcast, and also at halftimeheroes.com.au. And as always, we have a show dedication. And unfortunately, this one isn't uh, isn't one we'd like to be giving out, but it's off to uh, Brad Jones and his family who tragically lost his uh, lost their son recently, five years old, to leukemia. Horrible stuff. Mm. Yep, no good. Thoughts and, uh, to his family and everyone involved? Yes, and... Uh, we might move on to the uh, quiz, which is uh, a bit lighter. And uh, this, uh, this week's quiz question is uh, an interesting one. I'm not sure I know the answer. Who is leading the goal-scoring charts in the A-League right now? Well, actually, I do know the uh, answer. Of course mm. we know, but Bessart Berishal, after but, his four-goal haul against Adelaide. I think he's up on seven at the moment, Yeah, seven, he? and then the next play is like four, Nicky Carl, I think. Nicky Carl, He's having it? a great run of form. There's a, an uh, on rink? Enrique and Shane Smelt's always up there. They've, they've all got four. What about Matty Simon? He's got a couple. He's got a couple he's, now. He's got a couple. He's starting to find James some. Brown from Gold Coast has got three. He's got three? Mm. Okay. So uh, some some good scoring there. We'll uh, get on with the uh, news for the week and we'll start up with uh, Melbourne victory. And after their uh, calamitous start to the season, they're... Uh, they're in the middle of nowhere. They uh, had another draw on the weekend. Uh, mm. Man had a man sent off and a penalty. Both controversial decisions, and still couldn't finish the job from two 0 up. And uh, in the aftermath of that, the coach, uh, the uh, football director, has paid the price. Francis Waratifi, only uh, only appointed four months ago, he's been given the chop. Yeah, tough tough situation. There's the drums are beating on uh, Mehmet Djurakovic as well. That you know who's who's coaching the team. You watch. You watch the games on TV, and you'd th- if you didn't know, you'd think Kevin Musket was the manager. Well, if Kevin Musket is managing the team at the moment, I don't know why Durakovic would be leaving, because the results from Musket so far haven't been that good. And uh, congratulations, Brisbane Raw, who have equaled the Australian club's clubby greatest unbeaten streak. That's in Australian club sport. Uh, when they came from behind from 1-0 to win 2-1 over Newcastle Jets on Saturday, that's now 35 games in a row without losing. That is uh, some record. Pretty impressive. So uh, if they win this weekend, uh, they're going to go ahead and that'll be them outright winners as the longest mm. undefeated streak. It's yeah. definitely going to happen, I think. At home to Perth Glory, it's going to be... A bit difficult for Perth after their exertions this weekend, and I think Brisbane at home is just almost a given these days. Okay, and yeah, uh, it's tough for Perth doing back-to-back road trips. Talking about Perth, uh, they'll be without their uh, Liam Miller, their playmaker, who's uh, who's been suspended after uh, the controversial send-off against Archie Thompson. Guys, red card? Did you think? I think so. I think in the replay, it may have gotten a bit or iffy, but in the heat of the game, I think. Yeah, it's probably, it was probably a red card. I thought oh, yellow for me. 
It, it could have gone either way, but yeah, was it was a bit harsh. Wellington Phoenix marketing manager David Dome has absor- absolved the club of blame after thousands of fans missed Saturday's kickoff against Adelaide United at Eden Park with a 20,000 crowd. Dome said 4,000 turned up in the hour before kickoff attempting to buy tickets. Guys, can only be a good thing when you get ha- having that many people walk up wanting tickets. Yeah, fantastic crowd, good atmosphere. I, I think it's a winner. And... Uh, Adelaide United's much maligned uh, striker slash midfielder Andy Slurry. He's given it away. Twenty nine oh. years old, early retirement. Said Does he just didn't have the motiv- motivation for it anymore. No, he had no sympathy for the thousands of fantasy A League yes, coaches. Yes, most selected player in fantasy A League. Everyone's just hands up in the air. What am I going to do now? Oh, I'm going to yeah. keep him. He's still cheap, and just that just frees up room somewhere else. <laughs> Uh, Brent Emmett could receive a club imposed fine after replay suggests thirty two year old committed simulation on the edge of the box to score the free kick or win the free kick that he eventually scored. This is a bit out of date, guys. I actually read an article today that uh, Sydney had come out and said, uh, no, they didn't think he dived and they're not going to impose any fine. Well, maybe they should. It, it was a dive. To be honest, I, I really didn't think so. I, I was just watching it. And look at maybe, first, maybe on replays. On first glance, it looked okay. On replays, it looked worse and worse, I reckon. And a wild speculation. Sydney whiz kid Terry Antonis could become the club's first million-dollar transfer with uh, room to a couple of European clubs interested in the January transfer window. A million dollars is a lot of money, guys. I'd say wait a bit longer. Yeah. His value's only going to improve at this January's rate, too I think. Soon, I think. How, is he that good? Oh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. I'm not sure. I don't really have ben- benchmarks for transfer fees. I'm not sure how much Barbarossa and Mackay went for. So... He, it, it look, he's, he's only, he hasn't even turned 18 yet. McGuire went for about 350000 dollars but uh, transfers are a fickle thing. Uh, mm, hey, Naldo from the Raw went for a million and a half or somewhere around that really? mark. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. Over to Saudi Arabia, so you just never know. Um, look, he's, he's young. He's got that. Matt Mackay, he's what, 27, 28? So. But I've watched mm. Antonis a fair few times now, and I always think that for all the nice touches and great technique, has he got that much of an end product? He's playing uh, attacking mid week in, week out. He hasn't scored yet, and he certainly doesn't seem to create that many chances for others. So uh, let's uh, let's just uh, calm it down a bit, I think, with the press and fans <laughs> piling the pressure on. Mm. Uh, over to Aussies abroad, we have uh, emerging youngster Shane Hurd. Youngster is about 25, isn't he? He played 87 minutes in Aston Villa's <laughs> a 2-0 win over Tottenham. 2-0 lost to Tottenham. I think it was Chris Hurd as well. Yeah, Chris Hurd. Ah, Just Chris a bit of a typo there. That was my fault. <laughs> That's okay. And uh, good to have someone in coming through the Premier League because we don't have many. Aussie uh, Josh Kennedy and Eddie Bosnar both got on the score sheet for Nagoya Grampus and Shimizu S-Pulse respectively. Australians are doing well over in the Japanese league in that, the more recent times. Eddie Bosnar, everyone should go on the internet and have a look at that goal. That was a bullet from was a good one? 35 metres. Yep, pretty okay. impressive. And uh, we'll get the discussion kicked off. And let's uh, talk about the Socceroos guys. Thailand, a, uh, a plucky little team they are. I quite enjoyed, quite enjoyed the game. They're the second best team in the group. Mm. Oh, most definitely. They, if they had have been better at their finishing, they should, they would have won that game. And what were the key points there, guys? I know left back is something we talk about a lot. Uh, Matt Mackay, a lot of people thought he didn't look that comfortable out of position, so they brought in Michael Zulu instead. How did he go? He got shredded pretty much every time. It was just every time, every chance they created pretty much was just the ball over Zulu's head and that that winger. I think it was um, something Suka. It was wasn't Surat Suka because we already discussed yeah. this during the week. The other the other Suka. Suri Suka. Suri Suka. Close. Oh, that he, was... he he was blistering pace just straight around Zulu pretty much every time. And yeah, 
Why did Melbourne Victory sign the other one? He was fantastic. He was pretty good. And uh, Thailand just pushed everything down the right the right side of the field there. In fact, I heard Andrew Peacock on uh, Twitter before that uh, Thailand were more right-wing than Pauline Hansen. So, uh, <laughs> so they certainly used it a lot. What, what were the other key points there, guys? Who played well? Who really rescued the game for us? And uh, who needs to watch their back? Well, I, th- I think Holman really is leading the, the forward line. Still, he's, I think he's now, along with Kennedy, he's been our most consistent performers during this phase of qualifying. Definitely, but Kennedy, the last couple of games, he's just he's just seemed a bit off the pace. I'm not really sure why he because he's been he's been in great form for both club and country. But yeah, last two games he's been oh, below below what I would expect of him. I'm not a super big fan of Mila Yednik, but eh, he did some pretty solid work. Let's talk I about think. formation, guys. There's a lot of speculation out there that uh, it's time to finish using Valeri and Yednak next to each other. They're very similar styles of players. A lot of people I see would prefer a diamond-type formation with an attacking midfield and uh, just one defensive midfielder back there. Is, there. is there merit in that? I think if they've got the players to do it, and when I say that, I don't have Neil Kilkenny in mind. No. The, we, who, who would, who would we, be your pick at the top of a diamond there? I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think about somebody with 2014 in mind because I'm not sure there's an obvious candidate I think, um, right now. Well, depending on how the likes of Vitasic and Carl go in the A-League, maybe they could be in line for a re- being put back into that position. What about putting uh, Holman there with Cahill up front or Cahill there with Holman up front? I think, I think um, Cahill... Oh, he, I'm not sure if he'll make 2014, so I think leaving Holman and Kennedy up front would be the best option. Okay. I think I think Cahill. I don't know. He hasn't had. I think he off the bench as an impact player. Maybe. Yeah, he hasn't had that great a season in the EPL. He may, he plays a pretty physical style, so it's a question how well he's going to age. I think. Okay, and uh, what do we think about the central defensive pairing, Spranovic and Lucas Neal? Seems to be the uh, hog has settled on those two. Um, and what do we think? I think we should stick with it for now because I think Spranovic is a very good prospect going forward and that there are actually some good young defenders coming through in the A-League I'd, I'd definitely nice like to, to see, see Luke DeVere get, get some game time against Saudi Arabia just to see how it goes because Lucas Neal he's what 33 now so mm. he may not be at his best by the time 2014 rolls around so you want to have a decent replacement for him and DeVere is one of the most impressive defenders I've seen play in the A-League and uh, mm. Brett Emmerton came back and uh, played uh, close to 90 minutes, or 90 minutes, was it? So, uh, yep, looking, set, up, looking, set up the goal. Looking to stamp his uh, authority back on that position with a couple of others waiting in the wings. How good was he? He was pretty good. Worked very hard. You, you couldn't fault his spot in the team, I think. Is he, would he still be your first first choice at right, right at, mid there? At, at present, yes. I, I think other players have done enough to... Stake a claim. I mean, Wilshire has played there in the last couple of internationals, but he, I think he's still probably the right back that we want rather than playing it further up the field. So may, maybe he will be pushed up there in future when Emerton gets to, starts to lose his edge. But I think right now Emerton's the first choice. So where, where does Reese Williams fit into this? Probably in the, when, team, if Wilshire moves forward, Williams will take mm. his place at right back. What about Chris Hurd? Where do you reckon he'd, he'd fit in? Plays defensive mid for Aston Villa. We seem to have an abundance of those. Mm. But we still, we still can be too slow transitioning the ball. That's the, that's the frustration for me. Which, okay. And as you say, might be related to the current formation. I want to see Tommy Orr get some game time for the Socceroos. He's had a fairly good season so far with Utrecht, so why not give him a chance in this Saudi Arabia game? 
Moving forward, today it was announced that the Saudi Arabia game will be played uh, in a AAMI Stadium down there in Melbourne. A fantastic new stadium. It'll be the first time the Socceroos play there. So exciting stuff. Uh, Saudi Arabia, the other big fish in the group. So uh, what are the key are points they, there? Are they still? Well, traditionally. Traditionally. Yeah, traditionally. <laughs> but yeah, Traditional Asian powerhouse. Oh, I reckon they're well off where they were. What are our key points there for that match? Assumably we're through, so we can uh, do a little bit of fiddling. Try out some guys. Who yeah. would you like to see get game time? I hear a lot of calls for guys like Partsaloo. Yep, A-League Partsaloo. Chris Hurd. Oh, James Brown's a real one from left field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd be fun. What about you, Nick Amis? Oh, um, Anyone you've been itching to see in green and gold? Bernie Matt, Beanie? Matt Ryan. <laughs> Matt Ryan. I really want to see Matt Ryan get a Socceroos oh, call up. But um, he's, he's, he's probably a bit too young for a goalkeeper. He's a dozen at, guys down there. As, as down we go. List, I, um, well, I, I have to just say Bernie Beanie for the sake of saying Bernie Beanie. But um, <laughs> no, um, I, I definitely would do, would like to see Tommy Orr come across and get some, get some game time. Maybe, uh, is it... Ryan McGowan playing for Hearts at the moment mm. in the Scottish Premier League. He's Maybe Sorota as well. He's... Briefly been in the team. Okay, and uh, what about Alex Brosk? Uh, really improved since his move to Japan. A couple of okay cameos for the Socceroos. Is he a realistic option or is he just hanging around on the front? I think he's a strong candidate for okay cameos. Okay. <laughs> okay, and... Uh, uh, actually, one thing before we leave the qualifying, what's really interesting from the last round of uh, qualifying, Japan aren't top of their group. Really? Yeah, Who is? Uzbek- Uzbekistan are... Didn't we beat them 6-0 quite recently? We did, but yeah, they're having a very good qualifying season. And they could be a really dangerous team if they go through as the second seed. Asia's no walkover. I mean, Asia's if we don't no play walkover. well in the second no. round, uh, there's uh, every chance that we won't make it. Oh. We, I think we had a very easy run last time. A very easy we run. Did. If you had yep. a look at the two yeah. groups, uh, Korea, J- Korea, Japan, both in the other group, weren't they? they we were. had Japan yeah. in our group, and oh, then it was yeah. the two Koreas, Iran, Saudi Arabia in the other group. Yeah, so that was mm. that was definitely the difficult one. Okay, and, uh, well, let's move who, on to, uh, as long as we can avoid a playoff against New Zealand to go through. I'd like to hate that. I would like to see us finish third in the group so that we can go into the two-legged playoff and play against Iran. I'd really like that. That would be fantastic. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll uh, move on to A-League stuff for the weekend, and uh, we had some interesting games. And uh, Melbourne Heart are uh, one of the big movers. They've uh, right down the bottom they were, and now they've uh, won, what, three games on the trot? They got 2-1 up over the Gold Coast on the weekend and uh, really moving. I think it's two games on yeah, the trot. definitely two games, but it's so congested that they can just rocket up the ladder. They're playing better. They're, they're still not. They're still a team with some problems, and I'd really like to see Ali Babaj uh, replace Macon. Up He's a big forward. boy. He's a big boy, 190 centimeters. But oh, yeah, that, they're still they're still a work in progress. The heart, I reckon. It was a very impressive game from Matt Thompson, though. Good finish and a great assist for that um, second goal from Germano. Gold Coast United brought in uh, ex-Adelaide player Eunice Sally today, I noticed. Uh, will he be the answer? The bite in the midfield, which will uh, stop their slide? Probably not. I think I think they just really miss James Brown for that game. I mean, he's been he's been the driving force behind their attack for most of the season. Um, so him and Jungschlager have been doing really well. Jungschlager, I think, has got the most assists in the A-League, tied with a couple other players. Yeah. So, yeah, I think maybe back to next week they'll, they'll be impressive again against Melbourne. 
Okay, and uh, your very own Central Coast Mariners are another one on the move. They've uh, slipped their way up into second somehow. I know mm. I don't yeah, know how that it, happened. It's just so tight. Like we were, si- we were sixth place, I think, last last week, and now we're sitting second in the ladder. So. And uh, for the second time in a row, we finished three two at uh, Sydney Football Stadium. Unfortunately for Sydney FC fans, this one didn't go their way. What's wrong with Sydney guys? They don't start playing until they're half an hour into the game. No, they're, they're a team not quite gelling as well. I reckon. Their, their coach is under deserved pressure, but they're not playing that badly. It's 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 odd. I think I think that the attack has been fairly good, but I'm not, I'm still not sold completely on the defence. I mean, Liam Reddy has been very good, but the rest of it, you know, it's just a bit. Mm. It's just they just haven't gelled properly. And uh, Terry McFlynn, captain, captain courageous. Ugh. He seems oh. to give the ball away every second time he has it. I read an uh, I read a quote from a coach recently, and they said their game plan was just to sit, mark all the other players, and let Mifflin have the ball. So, how much longer can he retain the armband in ninety minutes a game? I don't know. He he has this unquestioned status in Sydney that's just inexplicable to outsiders. Yeah, I, I, I do not get it one bit. Maybe it's just pure intimidation. That that moustache must get get him on the starting eleven every week for November at the moment. It's Chopper Reed esque, I think, and. Well, it's not pretty to look at, and neither is his style of play. But he's he's been here since season one, so I think that's probably where he gets the gets applauded. Holger Osik at the match, Sydney versus uh, Central Coast on the weekend. Who would he have been looking at? One person who uh, might have been happy to have him there was uh, Central Coast's Josh Rose at left back. A problem issue for the uh, Socceroos mm-hmm. is uh, is he a looking Nick? Um, I'm. I think based on last season's th- form, he he's definitely worth a shot, but. He hasn't started the season too well. If he can re- rediscover his form, I think, yeah, he's only twenty nine. So maybe only twenty nine. <laughs> only twenty nine. That's pretty. It's pretty young by Perth Glory standards. Um, for a defender as well, it's. I mean, he do. He does have a high octane style of play, bombing up and down the left flank. Maybe give him a go. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think he's a long-term solution, so no. I'd rather see a low play. Speaking of the youngsters, Juan Dyke hit a fantastic free kick. Juan's and, uh, uh, yeah. He's uh, that was what, a, that was 36, a 37 years 37. old. For me, he still moves like a 25-year-old. He is uh, definitely probably he's definitely the best defender I've seen play in person. And, yeah, definitely a clip. I, it would have been excellent to see him play in his prime. I, he's still pretty. He still moves excellently, and that was a... Beautiful, beautiful free kick. Just I, mean, I remember a 37-year-old Kevin Musket getting around and thinking, geez, he moves like a 37-year-old. But mm. uh, if you didn't know Jean Dyke was uh, that age, you just wouldn't pick it. You wouldn't so. pick it? No. Good player. And uh, also, uh, Nicky Carl in the frame for Socceroos. How did he go? He scored for a third time in a row, is it? Or four, three and four games? Or I think it's like three that? and four games. He's he's certainly playing well. He, he's definitely got a bit of a spark back about him. Um I still don't know how well he tracks back, but he's he's they're f- combining much better uh, transitioning forward. Yeah, he's he's playing pretty well. And what about uh, Bruno Casarin? How much longer can he be held out of the team by uh, Mark Bridge? Mm. Based on Mark Bridge's performance at the weekend, where he missed two pretty much dead set goals, I think Casarin will probably be back in the side next week. Um, but yeah, Bridge just I just don't know. He hasn't really been. A great striker since moving from no. si- moving from Newcastle, 
And no. even then, it was probably the system that helped they, them produce They the really else. need a pure striker. They just don't have one. Okay, and uh, through to the uh, toast of the league, Brisbane Raw playing away to the Newcastle Jets, the only team they had not beaten in their 34-game run, but they did make it 35. They were 1-0 down at halftime to a Ryan Griffiths goal and came back and won 2-1. Guys, they didn't look like normal Brisbane to me. They looked oh. like a, a normal A-league team, a beatable A-league team, but huge, they still got the job done. Huge rap on Newcastle for the first 60 minutes of that game. They just, they looked... Far better than Brisbane. They're a, they're a different team at home. Oh, definitely. They're, they were very unlucky to lose this one. Uh, I'm sure, although in the last 20 minutes, Brisbane had all of it. But that is usually what they do. They just weigh you down. It was 50-50 possession, though, which is mark- remarkably mm. closer Unusual than what it was last Barcelona. week. <laughs> well, one thing which I think made a big difference is you notice that Ivan Frangic went to centre-back. He was injured, and he couldn't get up mm. and down the line like he does. And when... When he's like getting up and down that line, he's basically an extra midfielder or an extra striker. He's just all, the entire pitch. He's just always an extra outlet. When he when that's not happening, I don't think Brisbane have the same numbers through the middle, and that's something which really makes sets them apart. Mm. Yep. And uh, another another goal for Brisha. Oh no, he didn't. No, get no, no, it, it was, was it was goals offside. goals was from on. Oh, that was a very close offside. Yeah. It was about yeah. maybe half a tough. meter. But um, yeah, goals from Enrique and oh, who was the other one? Uh, James James Meyer came off the bench and scored the winner. Um, Enrique's one was very lucky. Cross from Nakajima just went right across the box and. Four four defenders missed it, plus the keeper, and Enrique was able to tap it in. And then the um, the, the goal from James Meyer, um, pretty pretty soft. I mean, it was a good finish from Meyer, but he shouldn't have been able to get the ball. Um, it was a set play from a corner that just played it along the ground, and Meyer he hit it first time into the goal. But yeah, shouldn't have been able to have that much space to line it up, in my opinion. About two teams at the wrong half of the ladder at Wellington mm. Phoenix at home, or when I say at home in New Zealand, they actually played mm. in Auckland and got a very impressive crowd of great crowds. We talked about one yeah. all against uh, Adelaide, who are not doing so well themselves. Guys. I don't, th- uh, I don't are think either of these two teams going to make the top six. They're not looking like it, and I don't think either team would have been too happy with the result. I think they both really needed a win to kickstart their season, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, definitely. Adelaide's just been so out of sorts since the start. Of the season. I mean. Obviously, we've been talking about how the major influx of players has left them maybe a little bit disrupted, but you'd think you'd be starting to show a bit more now that they're getting together. But Talked up yeah. as title contenders. They brought in some big names. GT, McCain, Vitasic, these are guys you'd think would be at the top of the A-League, guys. Um, what's not gelling? What's going wrong? I, I really don't know. It's just it, it's just baffling that they there's, we're, we're so far into Well, not... So far in, but we're six round, six seven rounds in, and they still haven't shown like a, de- a decent performance. Maybe they can change it next week against Newcastle because they are horrible on the road. But yeah. if they don't, if they don't show something there, they're going to have to push the panic button. I think Paul Eiffel came back and looked uh, pretty good for Blanton Phoenix. Nick Thompson mm. could he be the uh, spark that turns their season around? I think just more good players generally is what they need. They're okay up front with Greenacre and Eiffel, but. And they're solid in defence, but they're always a workmanlike team. They're not they're not blowing anybody away. And I, I just think, that, you know, we talked about off-season recruiting. Their off-season recruiting was almost non-existent. They needed an injection of talent. Okay, and uh, the last game was a big game as well, and that was Melbourne Victory. We mentioned it earlier. They went... Uh, 2-0 up with some controversial refereeing going their way and still didn't manage to finish the job. It finished 2-all with Smeltzer landing at an equaliser right near the end. I thought if anyone was going to go on and win it in the last five minutes, it was actually going to be mm. Perth. So, uh, guys, 
it's probably a probably probably a result that hides the uh, hides the poor game that both of these two two teams played. Well, Melbourne Victory hierarchy clearly thought it was a poor game, so you know they've sacked the football manager out of it. And, look, Antje Kovic was in, enraged. What does a football the manager defending. do, Nick? What does Francis Waratefi do when he arrives in the morning? Well, he's pretty funny on Twitter, <laughs> but I just there's something not quite right with the setup. With who's who's calling the shots, who's managing the tactics, who's coordinated the recruiting? Why? You know, people have asked, why didn't they recruit more midfielders instead of all the talents up front, all the, the money's the up game front? The game is Harry Kuehl out for the out for the first time against for Melbourne Victory. Did they look better or worse for for his absence? It was pretty much about the same. It's just, it's. I mean, they did score two goals, which were, I mean, all right, but they're still they're still just looking very, well, lost in terms of inspiration. Um, and then there's maybe he was a little bit better without oh, Kuehl. He's, he's tracking back. But, but yeah, he's still very very below his best. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure what to do with them if they. I think that I think Gold Coast next week is going to provide a very stern test, and yeah, I can't think it'd be too much longer before they really have to start answering some questions. Perth Glory, another team that spent a lot of money on the off season. They brought in Liam Miller, mm. Travis Dodd, uh, Shane Smeltz. These are big, big A League names, guys. Would uh, would the owner be happy with where they're sitting right now? They'd be okay. Shane Smeltz is certainly worth the money. Yeah, but they they have done their classic um, decent start. Then they're epic slide there that was their fourth win in a row without a game now i believe so uh, they do have to pick they do have to pick themselves up for this game against brisbane i mean i don't think they'll win but if they show us a fighting or not a fighting performance a worthy performance maybe maybe they're starting to turn the corner again what are the issues with perth guys where, where do they need to improve william miller needs to play better more consistently they need to move the city about Half a state closer, at least, because that travelling is just—I think it's just too much for that team. And uh, did you think? Did you think the send-off was a send-off? A red card? They had uh, Vander. What's his name coming in from behind? Uh, coming in from Van Brink. Van Brink could yeah. have been uh, considered the last man. Nope. Didn't think it was a red. Didn't think it was the last man. Okay. Thought it, I thought it was neck and neck, but. Okay. And mm. uh, what about the penalty, Vander Brink again? Foot on the ball I think it was about him. simultaneous ball and player. So, yeah, I mm. think it's probably a penalty, but yeah, I'm surprised he didn't get sent off for that so one. So, I got one. the ball is something I hear a lot of defenders yell after they've been they've given a foul away and the ref's called. How much does getting the ball really mean? Can I get the ball first and then punch someone in the head on the way through and then not give away a foul? That'd be pretty coordinated if you did. <laughs> <laughs> but you, see, you see my point. Just because they get the yeah. ball, does that automatically rule out the foul? It, look, his judgment in sliding for the ball there wasn't particularly good. Okay, and uh, is there any, uh, any last points that you guys want to bring up? Oh, look, just a, a shout-out to Canberra United, continuing their uh, dominance of early dominance in the W League this season with another win on the weekend. Okay, well, that's it for this week's uh, Near Post Radio Show. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back next week. And uh, keep following through with uh, Pete Funnel with his always interesting look at local radio, local football news. And until then, if you're going to the Near Post, get there first. Get there first, the Near Post. Get there first, don't get there second, don't get there third. The Near Post, get there first if it's for football. 
Get there first, the near post. Get there first, don't get there second, don't get there third. The near post, get there first if it's for football news. Get there first, the near post. Get there first, don't get there second, don't get there third. The near post, get there first if it's for football. Get there first, the near post. Get there first, don't get there second, don't get there third. The near post, get there first if it's for football news. Get there first, the near post. Get there first, don't get there second, don't get there third.